week three of the study of the deepening deception. And how appropriate is this study right now in this time in our nation? Just some of the things that I've already just mentioned to you that's going on. The deception that the enemy is bringing into our world uh, is deepening. And I believe as we move towards the return of the Lord and we move towards the catching away of the church and we move towards the end times events that Scripture has told us about, the tribulation time and all of the events that are going to occur in those times, we are seeing the beginning of that spirit of Antichrist uh, it's already among us, that spirit of Antichrist. You can go read, and let me just give you the Scriptures. I'm not going to read them for you right now, because I've got to just press forward. Uh, but but this, this series is really found, and you can go read 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 29. That's 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 29. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. If you will go read those, that's going to be the scene setter for this series on the deepening deception. And then starting the last time we were together in Hebrews, uh, we went into Hebrews and we're going to spend the rest of the series in Hebrews chapter 11. Because the only way back from the deception that is taking place in our world right now is faith. And faith properly placed in Jesus Christ. Faith properly placed in God, Jehovah God. There is no other besides Him. He's not known by any other name. He is God. He is the Lord. And Jesus Christ, our faith must be put in His Word, in His plan, and in His saving grace. The only way to guard ourselves against the deepening deception is found in faith. And so I just want to encourage you and I want to I want to remind you about that and we started off in Hebrews chapter number 11 that last time we were together and we began to look down and the first thing that we talked about is we talked about moment uh, monumental faith we, we talked about that in order to combat this deepening deception, we are going to have to uh, be, we are going to have to be found with monumental faith. That's first faith. That, that is faith that is highly significant and great in importance. And that kind of faith, and we saw it portrayed in Abel and Enoch and Noah. And so we, we find this monumental faith there. And we found that in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verses 4 through 7. We looked at that. And so you can catch up with that as, as necessary. But tonight, I want to spend just a few moments and I'm not going to take a long time, but I want to spend a few moments and I want to talk to you about the next step in reclaiming faith, standing firm in faith against the deepening deception. And I want to talk to you about momentous faith and momentum faith. So I want you to, I want you to hear that because this is very, very important. Momentous faith, which is faith that's going to produce then momentum. So this is the only way that we begin to reclaim 
uh, and we stand against uh, stand against the deepening deception. And so we're going to be looking and we're going to be doing some reading in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're mainly going to be focusing later on verses 8 and reading down from there. Uh, but we're going to start off in a couple of different places that I, I just want to lay this out. I'm going to make it for a little ways with you. However far we make it, we'll just stop tonight and then we will uh, pick back up. Now, before we go into that in the book of Hebrews, I want you to, to take your Bibles and turn with me over to the book of Titus. And I, I really feel like I've got to share this with you right now because I believe in the moments that we are living in right now, that we need, it is time for spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers to begin to rise up. It's time that we begin to have people of maturity in faith rise up. The young generation or the young in faith need mothers and fathers that are spiritual leaders. I'm not just talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in the spiritual that can guide, that can lead, that can train in what this faith is all about. And if we've ever needed that, we need it now. So turn with me to the book of Titus chapter number two. I want to read this for you. And I I just feel this is important. So if we have to come back to Hebrews later on, we will. But I feel like this is important right now. Titus chapter 2. Here's what the Word tells us in verse 1. Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, he's, Paul is writing to Titus as a pastor to those that he is pastoring, the flock that he is pastoring. Paul, as his spiritual father, is writing to him. And he's saying to Titus, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. I, I've got to tell you, we need people who have an understanding of sound doctrine right now to begin to speak up. We need to speak sound doctrine. I, I have been so disappointed in so many that I have seen, especially on social media, that are ministers that are pastors, that are preachers, that have come out over the last few months and over this last year, and they have they have shared so many things that are so unsound doctrinally and biblically. They are convoluting the gospel into just simply things that the God they are twisting the gospel in order to sound more appealing to the world that we are living in. They are twisting the gospel and not sharing the truth in order to be accepted among the world. I want to tell you, this is what has brought us to the place that we are at right now. In the days of deepening deception, we have to have men and women of God who know the Word of God to speak the Word of God, whether it's popular or not, whether it is the politically correct thing to say or not. God's Word is true. God's Word does not change just because people now don't like what it says. We must speak sound doctrine. The deepening deception is out there. And the sad thing is, it is, it is in the church. The world has always been under deception. But it is in the church. And it is in leadership in the church 
that's more worried about how many people they are connecting to, more worried about, well, back when we had church in in house, more worried about how many people are sitting in the seats, more worried about how many likes they can get on social media, more worried about how accepted they are in circles outside of the church world than they are about presenting truth. We need truth speakers. We need people that will declare the truth, lean upon the Lord, trust God with the results, and call people out of a world of deception. So Paul says, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Please hear me. Verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. I, I I can already tell you, we're not going to get back into Hebrews 11. We're, we're going to be right here for the remainder of our time together tonight. Because this is too important. And in this moment, I'm feeling the Spirit of the Lord just stirring within my spirit. This is a word that God is trying to get into our hearts right now. We can't speak for everybody else. but But I know what the Lord is saying through the word to me. And I know what the Lord is asking me to say through His Word to you right in this moment. So you have to judge the Word. You have to determine what you do with this Word. But I've got to be obedient to God right now. And I'm going to lay down my plans of where I was wanting to go. And I'm going to get into this Word just a little bit. So older men, mature men, men of God who have some seasoning in the faith. Okay? Let me tell you what's expected of us right now. What is expected of us right now scripturally is that the older men, that means mature men, not, not just age-wise, but mature in their faith, be sober. We need to get serious about this, guys. This is the most serious thing. Speak the truth. Get serious about the truth. Quit playing games. We need men of God. We need men of valor that'll rise up and begin to speak the truth and begin to invest in the younger generation. I want to tell you, we've got a dilemma in the church world today, river life included. But in the church world today, a dilemma of men stepping up, standing up, taking their role seriously, and being men of God. We can talk more about sports, more about politics, more about cars, more about our, our guns, more about everything in the world, but we do not put in the time and the study and the seriousness about speaking the Word of God in truth. Men of God, rise up and be serious, be sober-minded, be reverent. That means we need some men that will reverence God, that will understand God has to be held in high esteem. We humble ourselves before Him. We put Him above us and others above us. Be temperate. Not blowing off the handle every five seconds. That, that's... That's what that's what's so troubling to me. And I understand as American citizens, we have a right to protest. And I understand that. Um, we have a right to let our voice be heard as American citizens. But don't forget this. Men, we are kingdom citizens first. 
We are kingdom of God citizens first if we are believers. And we are to be temperate. And the way we talk and the way we project ourselves and the word that we share is vital. And our young men need some examples of what godly men are to look like. What it is to be temperate and to bite your tongue sometimes because you've got to say things the right way in order to get through. Temperate in all things. Be measured. Sound in faith. Sound in faith. Not wishy-washy. Not in and out. Not out there somewhere so far that, that no one else... Be sound in your faith so that others can follow. Leave a clear track. Leave clear footprints. Guide others along the way. In love. We need to love others and then in patience. Be patient with those who are learning and growing. Verse 3. Because see, the men have a very vital role to play, but so do the women. Verse 3. The older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior. You mature women, seasoned in faith, be reverent in behavior. In speech, this is the same call for the men. Honor God. Be reverent to one another. I'm This world, this day that we live in, where people, even people who claim to be Christians, are so irreverent. They say things that, let, let me just be blunt with you. They say things that believers, Christians, men and women of God, they say things that should never come out of a man or woman of God's mouth. The way we talk is very important. Check yourself. Amen. I didn't intend to go this route, but that's all right. I think I think we need this. And I think the Lord needs somebody to hear this. Be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. So don't be running around slandering everybody, running down everybody's character. You you don't know what that person is facing. You may not like their actions. You may not like the things that they say, but you're not their judge, neither am I. We need to be training others about this. So we got to be practicing it ourselves. So older men, older women, there, there's some responsibilities here. Not given to much wine. That's a, that's a command also given to men in other parts of Scripture. So is the slander one. So even though he's, he's giving some, some generalities here to certain genders, to males and to females, to men and to women, it really is for both. We need some seasoned people not given to much wine. Well, boy, there's a lot of dilemma and debate about that. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump in this all the way because I got more to say. But the debate, I guess, then would come down to, well, what's, what's much wine? And people want to debate about that and people want to argue about that. I, where's your desire? What are you desiring? think that's the most important thing when escape 
through a bottle or through wine or other alcohol or through drugs or any other form of substance or any other thing that we do when it when escape and and just just uh, uh, relaxing ourselves becomes more important to us than being sober minded and and standing for the truth and sharing the word of God. Then it's too much. Abstinence is the best practice when it comes to abusive substances. Amen. Let me just let me say that again. For everyone that, that will hear me, we you can debate all about the debates, but when it comes to substances that can be abused and substances that that can cause you to get out of your mind and to, to rely upon whatever that is that that you are drinking or taking or whatever that might be, abstinence is always the safest way to protect your mind. And and for those of you that may be unclear, abstinence means staying away from it. Amen. Verse number four. <laughs> I, I hope y'all are still watching me tonight. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. And then, and then he says in verse three, be teachers of good things. Are, are, are you teaching the younger women, our children, men, this goes for you just as well. Are we teaching them good things? Are we teaching them more about perverted things and twisted things and, and worldly things than we are good things? Let's teach the young generation good things. Amen. Verse 4. That they had, that now he's talking again to the older women, that they admonished the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Now, the word already tells us to the husbands in Ephesians, love your wives. Give yourself for even if Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So this is not either or. This is just the breakdown of this scripture that I'm reading to you. To teach their young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Honor. Put them first. Think about them. Train them. Lead them. Guide them. Listen to this. To be discreet. My goodness, we need some of this in our culture today. I wish, I wish the church would come back to being more discreet about things you you don't have to just throw out there everything for everybody to see and hear about chaste it's all right purity is a good thing to be chaste to be pure to be wise as serpents but harmless as harmless as doves the scripture still tells us don't even talk about the things that are done by the world in darkness Chaste. And then homemakers working and laboring. I, I know I'm there there's so much debate right now uh, that that you may or may not know about, but I know there's been huge debates about the Proverbs 31 woman that all of a sudden in our culture, the Proverbs 31 woman is oppressive. No, it's not. She is blessed by God. And she is not put down and she is not relegated to any certain thing. 
but she is a woman that that honors her God and her family and her life. And 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 we need spiritual mothers that'll teach their spiritual daughters these things. Now I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about maturity and faith. Amen. Well, this is turning out to be pretty good. I, I think I think this is all right. To be chaste, to be homemakers, to be good, obedient to their own husbands. Now I know that's gonna that may stir up some stuff too. But obedience and submission is always in the context of Christ. This is a picture of Christ. It does not mean that that some man is going to rule over you for too long. Too many were trying to do that. But it means as you're working together as a unit, husband and wife, in the Lord, walking together, deciding, making decisions together, then obedience becomes the fruit of that walk together. And it's truly obedience to the Lord because decisions that are being made together by that husband and wife should be decisions that come from the Spirit and a walk in the Spirit and therefore obedience to that Word, obedience to God's plan becomes the fruit and the result of a right relationship. Amen that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. If we'll do these things, God's Word can be held up before our world and especially before young believers. Likewise, exhort the young men. So see, the older mature men have a role to play. The older seasoned mature women have a role to play. But so do the young men and the young women. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. But they got to learn that. So just because you're young in the Lord or younger in age doesn't mean, hey, I need to just go out and sow all the wild oats I want. No, you need to be sober-minded. Keeps you out of a lot of trouble and a lot of problems. Think before you act. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. This is for all of us. A pattern for good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. That we can walk in darkness with the light within us and everywhere we go, the light is with us. Everywhere we go, the river moves. The river flows. Life is seen. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Amen. Exhort bond servants. So now we're talking about those that are working, those that are laboring. To be obedient to their own masters or their own bosses, their own leaders, to be obedient, submitted to them. To be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. Not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Whether we're at home, whether we're on the job, whether we're in the community, we are representing Christ. This is our duty. In a day of deepening deception, we need more of this. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, in the face of it, 
not giving in to it, not saying, well, it's just the way the world is. No, live godly in this age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming. Live for Him. Look for Him. As you see the world getting worse, and you see men being lovers of themselves and seeking their own and riots and, and, and brother turning on brother and family against family. And, and you see all of these things happening, just like the word declared to us, begin to look up. We have hope. Jesus is returning. And we need to be living for Him. Our world needs it. Our, the deepening deception needs a church in faith. Speaking, living, and standing and walking. Look for that blessed hope. Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people zealous for good works. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. Now we can't. They're going to despise us. But we speak the truth and we don't let the, dis the ones that despise dissuade us. We speak. We stand. We walk. We love. We move. The deepening deception demands the deeper spiritual response of the church. I'm not done yet. Now we're going to go to Titus 3. For those of you that may have jumped on late, I just read Titus chapter 2. And now I'm going to read some in Titus chapter 3. Let me tell you, I'm going to read this and then we're going to close in prayer tonight. We're going to, we'll get back into Hebrews next week. You need, to, you need to highlight that. You need to ask the Lord what, how you can apply this in your life. Titus 3. Remind them. It's what I'm doing tonight. To be subject to rulers and authorities. We need to hear this today. You, you, may not, you may not like what your leaders and authorities do. But we are to be reminded that we are subject. You may not like the results of an election. But you are subject to leaders and rulers. And what we need to pray for is for righteousness. And we need to pray for our leaders that God would grab their heart and change their heart and lives. And that, that rules would be given that would be peaceable. To be subject to rulers and authorities to obey, to be ready for every good work. It doesn't mean when they pass down things that are against God and His Word, that we obey that. It means we obey God. We submit. We trust. But we obey God and we are ready for every good work. But we're going to do those with love. The good works come with love. Sometimes you speak that truth to power. We have to. But you do it in love. For we ourselves were once also... Now listen to this. For we ourselves, um, to speak evil of no one. Yeah. This is, this is, this is deep. To speak evil of no one. 
That, that would include typing it out on your keyboards. What kind of example are we setting when we're running down people because we don't agree with them? To be pre peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Humility wins the day. Peace of God can overcome the chaos. I want to speak to the church right now that are on both sides of this political spectrum. Be peaceable. Let humility rule the day. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Stand for God. Speak the truth. But speak it in love. Verse 3, For we ourselves were also once foolish. That means if you're not doing these things, you're, you're considered in with the foolish. That's what the Word says. He said, do these things because we ourselves were also once foolish without Christ, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now I'm going to read one more verse. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And we went a different direction than I intended. But the meat of the Word is the only thing in faith in the Lord, faith in this Word, and applying it by faith in Christ, is the only way we're going to stand in the days of deepening deception. Let me tell you, there are deceptive debates coming. I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but back before the election, as we were praying over the election, right, leading right up to that, I, I began to talk to you in those moments about, I was really sensing in my spirit that whichever way this election played out, we were about to go into some dark times with violence and outbursts and difficulty. And church, we're seeing them. And the deception that is in our world. And the debates that are coming. And the moving away from value as God gave to man and woman and families is happening. Deception is rampant. We're in a battle for our kids, families, those young in their faith. We're in a battle. And we need to speak the truth in love. And we need to not back away from it. When the world is telling our children that it's okay to be confused and choose from day to day whatever gender you think you want to be and, and try to have some sort of genderless society. 
That's deception. And somebody has to stand up and speak the truth, but we must do it in love because there are people deceived. There are people hurting. There are people struggling. There are people battling, and these are real battles. And we must be compassionate, and we must be caring, and we must be loving, but we must stand by faith in the Word. It's the only way back from deception. And our families depend on it, and our culture, and our world, and our kids depends on the church standing in faith. So God help us to be true believers and to stand firm for Jesus Christ in the day of deepening deception. I hope something that's said tonight would just challenge your heart. Please go and read Titus 2 and Titus 3 and get out your highlighter or if you can't bring yourself to mark in your Bible, get out a pad or a piece of paper and write down and read and ask God, what are you saying to me? What changes can I make? What areas do I need to trust you more in? What things do I need to do? What, what things do I need to lay down? How can I be a better example? How can I lead those young in the faith or my family or children or, or whatever role you're in? What can I do to be effective for your kingdom? Ask God. Write it down. And let's pray. We're going to close in prayer tonight. And my heart is breaking for our country. My heart is breaking for the lost in our world. My heart is breaking for the generations, if the Lord tarries, that are going to be raised up in these deceiving days. Death is around us every day. Coronavirus is just one aspect of death that is around us. Every day people are dying and going into eternity. Every year, so many, more, many, many, many times more than the COVID virus will take the life of. Every year, multiplied times that numbers of unborn children will be murdered in the womb. And if you've taken part in that and you've had an abortion for whatever reason, I understand times are tough and difficult and those are gut-wrenching decisions. I, I understand that. But if you have, the good news is Jesus can forgive. And if you'll turn to Him, He'll love you and we love you. This is not a slam against anybody. But I want to tell you, life matters to God. Life matters to me. And life needs to matter to us. Not just the unborn, but all the way up to the elderly. And the respect they deserve in the times of coming to death. It's heartbreaking to hear the stories of the older ones that have died during this virus. And the ways that they've been separated and isolated. And the hurting and the outcast and the misfit and the trodden down and the poor and, 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 and those that are overlooked. If we're going to be truly for life, we must be for life from before the born all the way up to the day they die and every day in between.
And we have the words of life and we need to be the church and we need to reach out and we need to share that every life matters to God. God values life. Let's be good examples of good works. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I do want to give just a little bit of time to pray.